live from the Unpop Studios. It's the Laugh Track to Your Life with your host, Adam Todd Brown, Daniel Soto. When did we start? Oh, you know, I start recording as soon as we walk in the room, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's all for the podcast. It's just so I don't forget to start <laughs> recording. So technically, we just actually once the online hyphen stopwatch.com clock, the official online hyphen stopwatch.com clock of unpopular opinion, once that starts running. And so do we. Then so do we. Hello, Adam. Here, let me move this thing. <laughs> Oh, you're not going? All right, fine. I was trying to trick you into holding hands with me this time. I learned my lesson from last time (laughs) that when when a man reaches into your general direction to maybe move a microphone, (laughs) it's not necessarily an invitation to hold hands. But it's not necessarily not. So it's... No, if I had held your hand, you would have... You would have <laughs> corrected me. You would have been like, that's what, not what I was doing. Oh, it's fine. So how have you been since we recorded last? I've been good. I've been taking a lot of really random jobs, which has been like, I don't know. I feel like this is the chapter of my life that's going to be titled random jobs. Oh, um, yeah. It's, uh, I worked with a florist yesterday. Wow. Uh, just like in the town. Yeah. <laughs> or in Happily Divorced. Which is the? I don't think I've ever seen that. It's on, it was on TV Land. It was Fran Drescher and the story of how her husband came out as gay to her. Oh, she was a florist and she had a shop called Frantastic Flowers. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been dog sitting and babysitting and it's been it's been good. I'm I'm doing everything I can to stay focused on getting a job in my field, which is entertainment. Yes. I don't want to take another behind-the-desk at a clinic job, kind of. It'll happen. How have you been? I've been good. Good. Just working a lot. Yeah. As always. Adam had a show on Friday night. I did. I I went to it. The Dorcas Dawa. Yeah. I had that show. I was all right. It was a decent set. Did you mention N.E.R.D. during your set? I did, yes. I opened with a joke about unintentionally gay rap lyrics. (laughs) I love N.E.R.D., and I saw them in concert in college yeah yeah and i don't nobody ever references them but i was auditioning for a game show the other day and there was a question like do you believe in an afterlife or reincarnation and i referenced n-e-r-d what what n-e-r-d it stands for no one ever really dies oh yeah 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 because energy can be created but it can't be destroyed so how yeah, do you yeah. how do you really go science away? tips from pharrell that's right that's right. <laughs> yeah, I did I, my gay rap jokes. Mm-hmm. Been doing those forever. I don't know why I opened with them. Somebody made a, I don't remember what this was in reference to, but someone's like, I've been telling that joke for six months. And I was like, I've been telling jokes for six years. <laughs> like I have jokes oh, yeah, yeah. in my act where I wrote them in college. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you just don't want to let them go. Yeah. Sometimes they're You know, some things are timeless. The first joke I ever did on stage ever, the first time I ever did comedy, is one of my closers now. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's amazing. Has it evolved over time, though? Yeah, kind of. It's not the same joke that it was. I don't tell it the same way, but it's still the same premise, basic and punchline. joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had just literally never told it the first time I did comedy, so it wasn't it wasn't as smooth as it is now. <laughs> Smooth jokes with Adam Todd Brown. (laughs) Delivery with Adam Todd Brown. Oh, that would be a terrible name for a show. Yeah. Smooth delivery. It sounds like a constipation uh, treatment. Or lube. Yeah. One of the two. Is there a difference? Between. (laughs) (laughs) Not for everybody. I'm seriously asking. I've never used lube and I've never had constipation you've never had constipation <laughs> i'm joking okay. <laughs> all the time i'm like i'm so gullible i find uh, it refreshing when it happens no no yeah it's like I had a to nice m- change of pace i had to miss a trivia night because i was constipated <laughs> the other day i texted my friend and i was like it was her night and i was like i can't come i can't i can't be there i mean if anything if anything starts to move so will i but at the moment, wow. I, I have to miss your trivia night. That's extreme. Yes. Did you have, did you have a cheese throw down the day before or something? No. I was having, <laughs> if anyone wants to know, <laughs> a lot of popcorn and raisinets. And I just was snacking. I was snacking. I, I, ah. I have a tendency to snack instead of eat. Yeah. Like have three square meals a day. Um, and I think that was my downfall. That'll do it. Funny that you say um, change of pace. It implies you always have diarrhea. Well, not always, <laughs> but it's uh, it's never really a challenge in there. Wow. <laughs> I think it's a sign of good friendship when we can talk about. I think so too. Our poop, our poop moods. Yeah. Mood of our poop. It's a poop moods. Poop moods. That's what this episode's called. Poop moods. <laughs> So what is this episode, So welcome actually? to Poop Moods. <laughs> what are we talking about today? Well. We're talking about deportation. Yes. And immigration. And immigration. Uh, we watched an episode of The Golden Girls today. Yes. It's from season two. It's episode 21, and it's called Dorothy's Prized Pupil. Yeah. Very special guest star, Mr. M- Mario Lopez. Mr. Mario Lopez was... The prize pupil. Still still full of swagger, that one. Amazing, the career that that man has had. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. He looks older in this episode of Golden Girls than he does now. <laughs> He's like 12 years old. Yeah. yeah. Is, um, is he the most successful person from Saved by the Bell? Has he gone on to do wow. the most? Yeah. yeah it's got to be so. him. Well, Mar- he's had the most work. I think Zach has had the most I just address him what's his name Mark, Mark Paul, Paul Gosler. Gosler I think he's had more legitimate acting jobs because he's been on like uh, he was on an episode of The Good Wife one of my favorite shows oh. he had a series with on, that other guy from Clueless yeah from on the USA Network I That's think right. for a while yeah so he's yeah he's done I think more legitimate acting work than anyone yes I would say that's true and then I mean, Dustin Diamond has just... Just been doing porn and VH1 shows. Which I love. I love Celebrity Fit Club. That was one of my favorite shows show, in high yeah. school. I don't know why it's not on anymore. It's so good. I'll They're ha- all in shape now. Oh, that's why. <laughs> Everyone's better. 
So just to recap the episode a little bit, Dorothy's tutoring Mario Lopez, who they call Mario in in the script. He is a very talented writer, and he writes this piece about what it feels like to be in America, and he compares it to just having a big friendship. He says, when you're in America, you feel like you're amongst friends. And she submits it to a contest, and he wins because he's a talented writer. Right. And then they do a piece about him in the newspaper that this kid... Won this contest. Won this contest. So then, unfortunately, a person comes to the door right. and says, we saw him in the newspaper, and now we know that he's here, and he doesn't have documents. So he is here illegally. Which seems sort of improbable, but that, that like immigration would be reading it and go, there's that fucking Mario. <laughs> we finally <laughs> snagged him. Right. Yeah, that is I mean, he's probable. registered at school. So yeah, there's a million can, other ways to... Were, but it's a sitcom in the 80s, so that that's how things get set up. I think everyone should watch this episode because, it, it, especially if you think about deporting people who are undocumented, I think that there's a stereotype out there that it's going to be drug dealers oh, yeah, and you know people in the cartel and violent people. And it's, for so many, it's not... It's children, people who are brought here by their parents who are just innocent bystanders and, you know, not to say their parents are not innocent, but they really just had no say in the matter. And also what I like about this episode is that's so not what the episode is about for half of the episode. You find out like, oh, this took like a turn. This is not what I was expecting. And I think what that says to people is you don't know who has papers. You right. do not know who is undocumented. And that doesn't just go. And also, I like they never, ever say he's going back to Mexico. He's going back to Guatemala. They just say he's going back. He's right, going back. Right, going home. And I think what's important about that is there's a stereotype that it is people from Mexico and, and, right. and the southern countries. But in actuality, there's a lot of people from Ireland who are here right. and undocumented. They come on a visa and just... Yeah. Crash and stay. And that's, well, Canadians too. And Canadians too. Yes. Yeah. So I like that they never mention what country he is from. Right. Even though his name's Mario, you assume, <clears throat> but they never say it. And It's a me, a Mario. <laughs> it could be him and his brother came here pursuing <laughs> right. their dreams of pursuing owning a coins. <laughs> One of the coins fell down a pipe in America. They had to chase it. They had to go. So you don't know anyone's backstory, right. is what I'm saying. You just don't know. So that's what I like that this episode did. Yeah, and it, you're, you're right. It is a good illustration of what kind of people, once we start getting into mass deportations that don't just cover people who are here illegally that have also committed crimes, once we start getting into just deporting anyone who's here illegally, these are the kind of cases that we're going to find. Like... They're not all drug dealers, man. Right. <laughs> like, Just how all citizens are not yeah. prized pupils. Yeah. Right. I have a friend from high school who now works in Arizona. She said we could call her if we want to talk about her job and give okay. us a little more background on immigration. She, uh, I mean, we can give her a call and she can tell you about it. She works for an organization that helps people who are. Yeah. Not- yeah should we call her now? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Let's see if we can get Eva on the phone. Hi, this is Danielle. Hi. Hi. Sorry about that. No worries. Hi. Uh, so you're on Laugh Track of Our Lives with Adam and Danielle. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Hi, Adam. 
Uh, so we are talking about immigration today. We're talking about deportation. And I just thought you would be a really good person to talk to if you could tell our listeners a little bit about what the work you're doing in Arizona is all about. Yeah. So I live in a small town on the U.S.-Mexico border in southern Arizona. And this is a place that has been super affected by the way that the U.S. government treats immigration with a military approach to the border. Um, and treats immigration enforcement in a military style. So to tell you a little bit about this area, we have checkpoints on every road leaving town. We have drones, helicopters, fighter jets, ground sensors buried in the ground, surveillance towers all around our homes. We have agents on horseback, on ATVs, in trucks, on cars, on foot. And because the cities and towns where people used to traditionally cross across the border have been walled off. Rural areas like this have become funnel areas where people are being forced to walk through really mountainous, dangerous areas to come into the U.S. So basically the area where I live is an area that is one of those funnels where to the west of us and to the east of us, there are ports of entry where, like, 20 years ago, people who lived in Mexico used to come into the U.S. to, like, work for a day, and they would then go home at the end of the day and be with their family in Mexico or whatever. It was pretty much the border was open. Uh, and then they built walls in those areas, and so this area, um, this small town where I live, was one of the areas that people then became forced to walk through this area. And the town where I live is actually 11 miles north of the actual U.S.-Mexico borderline, but it's really, like, everything south of here is just huge mountains, so, you know, like, desert terrain. Yeah. And so, basically, people are walking through this area and risking their lives, and a lot of people are dying. Um, There's been something, like, upwards of 6,000 deaths um, of people crossing the U.S.-Mexico border since, like, 2000, I think. And that's just the people who've been found, because a lot of people who die in the desert, their remains are never found. Wow. Um, And can you tell us a little about what you do to help people prevent their own death? Yeah, uh, well, I'm involved with a few different humanitarian aid groups out here. Um, There's one group, No More Deaths, that goes and hikes the trails that people are using to cross through the desert and leaves water and food and other just, like, life-saving supplies. And they also run, like, a full-time clinic here in the community of Aravaca, where I live, which is on the land of an Aravaca resident. So that's, like, a, it's like a clinic where people can get medical help and things like that. Nice. And then I'm also involved... Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you guys said something. Um, <laughs> I'm also involved in a local... <laughs> A local group here called People Helping People in the Border Zone, which is involved in supporting humanitarian aid efforts in the community. And also we organize for the demilitarization of the border. So we have a campaign to remove Border Patrol checkpoints and just generally to push for border demilitarization because it's really sort of out of control how militarized it is. We really talk about, you know, like this community, it's like living under occupation. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. What type of characters do you see coming through? Have you ever met anybody who made the journey? And what did they come? I mean, the thing about people coming across the border is people are just people, right? So some, like any people anywhere, some people... Um, are awesome and some people suck and people are just they're people 
So um, you're saying I some of them say, are assholes. <laughs> but like what I'm saying is, I mean, I think the reason that people have stereotype of it being criminals that are crossing the border is because migration has been really criminalized. So like the yeah. largest felony in the U.S. is illegal reentry, which is the felony of just having crossed the border two times. Wow. So a lot of the people we're seeing, like I meet people in the desert who have been walking for 20 days in the desert and they speak fluent English because they grew up their whole life in L.A. and they don't have any family in Mexico, you know, or like whatever. I've met people like that um, and they've been deported and they're trying to get back across. And if they get caught doing that twice, that's a felony. And then they're labeled a criminal for life. So, you know, that's why it's like we've made this thing that's not a crime into a crime. And then we're calling people criminals for doing it. But a lot of the people that we see here, um, at least in my experiences, is a lot of people fleeing violence, really extreme violence. I would call what's happening here a refugee crisis. Um, there's a lot of Central Americans, especially from Guatemala and Honduras, who are fleeing like really, really extreme violence. And then the other big, large group of people that we see is like people who are trying to reunite with their family, like what I said before, like people who lived in the States and their families all in the States and then they get deported because as we know, Obama deported more immigrants than any president before. And now it's only getting worse under Trump. And as more people get deported and they don't have anything waiting back for them in the country they were deported to, they try to get back here because anybody would do that. Whether you're kind of an asshole or whether you're a wonderful person, if your entire family is somewhere you're going to try to be with them no matter what so yeah, yeah. yeah you mean, mentioned criminalizing migration one of the things that's in trump's most recent executive order they basically want to if, if parents who are here in the united states pay someone to bring their child across the border they want to be able to prosecute those parents as if they were child traffickers basically even. Even, even if though it's, even their child. it's their child and they just didn't want their child to have to make that trip across the border alone, they want to... That's a thing you see, like especially in Australia, where there's a huge refugee crisis, too. One of the ways they try to play off how horrible they are to the refugees who are arriving is, well, a lot of people are dying when they come uh, in boats across the ocean. Well, it's like, yeah, of course they are, but that's the only way people can get there because... You've exactly, yeah. shut down all other channels. So it's really kind of awful that, that they make it seem like, oh, well, we have to stop this for the safety of people coming here. And I could see that becoming one of the arguments here, too, as well. We've shut down all of the points of entry. So now when people come, they have to come through this really treacherous path. And now people are dying. So it's like I, I can see that becoming a talking point. Yeah, here at some point, too. Well, absolutely, because that's the whole thing is, and it didn't start with Trump. I mean, the groundwork was really laid in the Reagan years, and it got worse under Clinton, and then Obama, and the Bush years. It really, you know, has been this military approach to the border. Let's build up this military apparatus. Let's build up all these military things and make it as difficult as possible. So, you know, a lot of people used to come here and work for a season, and then they'd go home. But I mean, you have to risk your life to come here. You're not going to go home so that you might have to do that again. You're going to stay, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then if you get deported, your whole life is here. So, I mean, it really is like it's a self-defeating system. It's not actually doing anything to, you know, 
address the problems that we actually need to address. Yeah, it, and it's it's weird how much of you mentioned how how much worse it got under Clinton. Mm-hmm. We we're putting so much emphasis on NAFTA now, as if NAFTA is a means for Mexico to fuck us. When really what NAFTA did, we went in and kind of destroyed the agriculture industry there and put like car plants and shit up. So that huge increase in in immigration after NAFTA was because of basically something we did. And then we exploited that group of workers for as long as we could until now where we're like, all right, get everyone out of here. And it's it's just so ironic that we paint NAFTA as, or Mexico, we paint Mexico as the enemy of NAFTA, as the one who's really exploiting us. And we really exploited Mexico through NAFTA. It's like cheating on your girlfriend a bunch of times, and then she sleeps with your best friend, and then you're like, why the hell would you do yeah. that? You chased her into his arms, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or it's like telling your girlfriend to sleep with your best friend and getting mad at her. Yeah, yeah. being like, I get off on it. Do it. I'll watch. Which and I hate, by the yeah. way. <laughs> One of my least favorite um, things in a relationship. Watching your girlfriend sleep with your best friend? No, when she tells me to sleep with her best uh, friend. And I'm <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to do it. Stand up for your rights. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely, it's no coincidence um, that NASA was passed at the exact same that they built the walls and they implemented this strategy of using death as a deterrent to migration. So they said, oh, yeah, we have more people to die, then people won't want to come. Um, but they t- did that strategy at the same time that they passed this free trade agreement, which was, they knew was going to force thousands more people to come through. So, yeah. I don't yeah, know, for me, it was the exact same year. for me, if you said, you know, you got to do this, it's 20 days walking through the desert, you don't know if you're going to have water, you don't know if you're going to have food, you don't know if you're going to have uh, warmth, or if you're going to burn up to death, but you have to give it a try. I think I'm, I'm already aware that death is a possibility. And if you're going to yeah. do it, you know that, I think. Well, the really fucked up thing is a lot of people don't know what they're in for, especially people who cross, like, you know, before all of this, in the 80s or something, they came across for the first time, like, older people, and or even if they came across 10 years ago, because things just keep getting so much worse. Like, people really, they're not told what it's going to be like. They don't know what they're in for. And, you know, sometimes people get across in five days walking through the desert, but they don't. it's literally impossible to carry enough supplies for the journey and people don't know that before they come because they're really kept in the dark about what they're in for wow so it's messed up yeah Yeah. i have one more question for you do you think there's anything that the united states can do to stop people coming in the united states can do yeah like is this ever is it ever truly going to be sealed (laughs) that's a much larger question i mean i don't believe in sealing the border i don't believe Like, I think it's kind of... Neither do I, but for the people that are yeah. trying... I mean, I think, I mean, I think, like, if we wanted to really look at our foreign policy and things that we're doing in other countries that are, you know, creating, like, horrible violence and needing people to be displaced, that would be a good start, you know? But, like, I also believe in freedom of movement. Um, yeah, because people are people, and, like, you know, this land used to be Mexico anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Some people, the border crossed them. Yeah, that's that's one of the one of the problems with Trump's argument is that illegal immigration has actually been declining 
for years in this country. And it, yeah. it, it's, it's a weird time to start focusing on illegal immigration when it's actually at kind of its lowest numbers. Yeah, we should focus on things That's that uh, are more pertinent. Right. Well, also, it's like, you know, people coming across the border without papers, like the numbers have gone down, but the death rate has actually increased as they've put more and more sort of military presence, military-style presence on the border. Scary. Oh. So, yeah. But, you know, it's an industry. They're making a lot of money off of it. So no. we all know that's really the motivator for Trump and all of those kinds of people. So. Well, I appreciate your time very much. Thank you for letting us call you. Yeah, well, thanks for thinking of me. Yeah. Um, I, you know, maybe, hopefully Dorothy learned her lesson. I haven't seen that. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to check it out. It's a good one. On people. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank All you right. so much. Thanks, have a good one. You too. Bye. Thanks. Bye. That was awesome. Yeah. That was She's a good girl. Highly informative. Yeah. Yeah, hearing her describe what it's like living on the border that's insane i was not aware of that i mean it's like you picture it like a desert with a fence with barbed wire over it and like maybe some guys with guns yeah it sounds more like what i picture afghanistan being like yeah yeah it's very militarized i'm sure it's an unsettling situation to live in yeah and and kind of pathetic for the people there because it's like people are still getting in like you have all this shit you have all this shit People are still coming in. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. So should we go over some scenes from this episode? Yeah. What should we start with? I guess probably the moment that they find out our little friend Mario's in trouble when the man comes to the door. So that would be right after the surprise party or during the surprise party, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. Damn it. I rewound it too far. But it's not my birthday. I know, honey. We're celebrating your winning that contest. Oh, wow. I love when parties have lots of chips options. Yeah. I know it's a little off topic, but I really love, like, lots of good snacks. We got some spinach dip here if you're you're wanting some spinach dip. Yes. Dorothy's Bornick? Yes. My name is Bert Nesbitt. I'm looking for Mario Sanchez. The school said he might be here. Yes. Is something wrong? I'm with the Immigration and Naturalization Service. We have reason to believe that Mario is in this country illegally. Mario, afraid you'll have to come with me. That's terrifying. Yeah, He's it a is. a child, and he has to go with a complete stranger. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's a, that's a thing, you know, we can't really act like it's new. Obama, like Eva said, has deported more people than any U.S. president. And these things have been happening you know, for years, like mm-hmm. forever, there's been as long as there's been an immigration and naturalization service, yep. there have been incidents like this. The thing now is, there's just it feels like there's so much malice behind it. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like us deporting people who legitimately shouldn't be here. It feels like targeting an entire. It feels like scapegoating an entire group of people for right. all of our problems. Yes, which once you start doing that. <laughs> Things get ugly. Yeah, it's a slippery slope. It sure is. It definitely is. It's, uh, it, I mean, this is back in the 80s. So, like, why? That's what I love about the Golden Girls is, like, why did this come out in the 80s when it's a problem today? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's, and I guess that's what this podcast is all about, is, like, showing that we've been through this already. I don't know right. we've done this. Like, why is it still a thing? And, you know, for poor little Mario, it's 
probably him going back. I mean, I guess it, it in the episode we learned he lives with his uncle. Yeah. So it's like, are his parents in Mexico? Are his parents in Guatemala? Is there nobody? Are right. are his parents citizens here? And like, was it who who said? Was it you or Eva who said? People are trying to pay their. It was you. People try to pay. Yeah, yeah. There, it, that was one of the. I don't remember which executive order it was, but when Trump put out his most recent executive orders uh, regarding immigration, one of the things that was in it was that they want to start prosecuting parents who pay someone to bring their child across the border. Mm-hmm. So instead of letting your child cross alone, which apparently is the safer route, Ugh. and they absolutely play it up as, well, it's for the safety of the child. And it's it's a really kind of insidious thing that, that, that it didn't get mentioned a lot either. Like, they're not just going to come out and go, hey, listen to this part. Right. Like, it's buried in there, and it hasn't gotten a lot of attention. There's no reason to separate parents from children unless they are unfit parents. If right. the child right. is starving, or the child's not being clothed, or they're neglected, sure, sure, sure. Other than that, you cannot kidnap your own child. Right. If a judge never told you that you're unfit, you cannot. It just, it's, I mean, what a nightmare. What yeah. a nightmare. Um, yeah, it's... It's insane. Yeah. And it, yeah, this episode is really uh, just like the All in the Family episode from last week. It's like weirdly relevant. Yeah. Now. Yeah. I feel like we're going to keep having our minds blown like this. Just like, wow, this is so topical. Yeah. And it was filmed 30 years ago. Yeah. Weird. Um, there was something I wrote down. This is kind of off topic, but Dorothy has a line in this. Rose is talking about some toboggan race and this guy Lars who lost his leg in a toboggan race and Dorothy has this moment where she goes I think everybody in the in America remembers where they were when Lars lost his (laughs) tobogganing leg um and it just made me think about like the moments we remember where we were always yeah and I just wanted to ask you what are the like big historical moments that have happened where you're like I remember exactly where I was when I found that out well, the Cubs win in the World Series, obviously, but that okay. was just last year. Uh, <laughs> That's not that impressive. <laughs> the space shuttle Challenger, the like, first space shuttle explosion. You remember where you were? Yeah, I was in class because the principal got on the PA and just basically told us. Oh. like Sensitively? No. Oh. <laughs> I mean, not really. He was just like, hey, hey, troops. Uh, I mean, he didn't say that, but... <laughs> He was just like, uh, I have some bad news to announce. Uh, the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded today. And I think part of the problem is we were that day supposed to all kind of go down in, because they were going to be re-showing it, like highlights and shit. So we were all supposed to go down kind of in groups and watch. And he had to get on and be like, mm, let's pull the plug on that. Wow. I don't want to traumatize anyone. Dang. So that's, that's a good one. Yeah, that's one that I really remember. And it's one that... In later years, I, I really went down a rabbit hole kind of looking back on it. And that's not a thing you want to <laughs> <you wanna laughs> research. There's very sad elements. Like oh. they, they made it a point to sell people on the idea that when that shuttle exploded, all the people aboard died. But they didn't. After it exploded, they kept climbing for another three miles and then fell to the ocean and died when it hit the ocean floor. No. hit the surface of the ocean. No. Yeah, there's videos where you see the nose part just falling. And it takes, 
I think two and a half minutes so or something. They knew for two and a half minutes that yeah. they were dying. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. They knew That's as soon so as that dark. explosion happened that they were probably going to die. And then there's, there's like a whole other five or six minutes between then and when it hits. So naturally, NASA would cover that up. Yeah. It's a rough story. That's really dark. But Ugh. yeah, there's not, I, there's no indication that they died at any point before they hit the water. I wonder if they still had access to speak to them or uh, if they had lost all communication. I think by that point, they had lost most communication. What do you say to someone anyways? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I don't remember where I was for Princess Diana's death. No idea. It's too young. Oh, I didn't care that much. Oh, that's not nice. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it wasn't to me the kind of thing. Like, I've always been like, what a, whatever, the fucking royal family in England. I don't give a shit. Yeah. So when someone from the royal family dies, I'm like, mm. Yeah, I think uh, Bummer. that's the one that people reference. People are like, I remember where I was. When, like, yeah. Or like um, 9-11, of course, I remember. I remember exactly where I was. Oh, yeah, for sure. I was in rehearsal in eighth grade for the show Pippin. Nice. Yes. And my teacher came in, the drama teacher came in and was like, Class! <laughs> like near tears being like, the Twin Towers have just been attacked by planes. Planes are flying into buildings in New York City. And everybody just laughed because it was like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. this isn't happening. And I thought it was a drama exercise. I thought she was trying to like set us <laughs> up for like, how would you react if that were true? And then everyone found out it was true. And then it was like super somber all of a sudden. And then we all just like kind of didn't do anything for the rest of the day. Yeah, I was at work and I stayed at work mostly because the the internet was so fucked up that day that like we couldn't do anything. So I was like, I'm not going to get paid for doing nothing. And I remember one of my most vivid 9-11 memories is I was at work and I went in the break room to get more coffee and I'm pouring my coffee and I just look up at the TV and the fucking World Trade Center collapsed. Yikes. And I was like, holy shit. Yes. Like, that's the first time. Because on that, like, when it happened at first, I was like, the first moments it happened, I was like, so like some guy just flew a plane and like, what? what's the big deal? And then as it progressed, it was just so... Well, I think initially, because it's funny, you can go back and watch the um, like morning shows from that yeah. day, and it's really kind of bizarre, because they're like, oh, today we're going to talk to this guy who has a new cookbook out, and like, you know, typical morning show. And then they're like, oh, we have to interrupt the show, because a plane has flown into one of the buildings, and it's... Uh, you know, we don't have any information about it. And it was just very calm. It was very yeah. calm. And it was very like, this happened. We're going to report on it just as we were, would report on any, you know, emergency. And then the second one flew in and it was mayhem. It was like, yeah. oh my God. Because I think initially people thought maybe this is a horrible accident. Maybe this is a uh, pilot who passed out. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they got the wrong uh, direction. I don't know what could possibly be the reason for that happening, but they did not think it was a terrorist attack initially, at least yeah. on the morning shows that I watched. Yeah, I think I think we were hoping it wasn't. Probably, yeah. Of, and then it, it, it was, felt like an act of war, and we obviously went to war not long after we went to war with the wrong people, but we still went to war. Yes. And yeah, it was terrifying yeah i think that and the space shuttle i don't know if there's a lot of other things that have that kind of resonance with me where i just automatically know where i was mm-hmm. 
my other one is Boston Marathon bombing. But that's because I was in Boston, and that's because it was 2013. So yeah. it wasn't that long ago. Um, but I just remember being on Facebook at work. Oops, sorry. I was on Facebook. Oh, naughty. <laughs> and I was working at a hospital, of all places, on that day. And I didn't take the day off to go watch the marathon, even though it is my favorite day of the year in Boston. It's the most fun you can have in Boston, aside from maybe Fenway Park. But anyways, yeah, I remember seeing my friend Dana post on Facebook, hey, why did they stop the marathon at Con Ave? Which is like a few miles away from the finish line. Right. And you know, you're almost done at that point. And it's like, what? Why would they do that? And then I got a text from my brother and it just said, I'm okay. Yeah. And I thought, why wouldn't you be okay? And then it was like, all of a sudden, everything was, there were bombs at the Boston Marathon. Yeah. Every Facebook post, every news outlet, every conversation. I mean, for days. And then they couldn't find the fucking kid. They couldn't find yeah. the kids who did it. And, or I should say the terrorists that did it. And so for days, it was like rumors that like there's a bomb at JFK Library. There's a bomb. And it was just, I remember I told my coworker, I was like, I'm feeling very anxious today. And she goes, is it because they keep finding bombs all over the city? <laughs> I was like, no, I think it's because they keep raising the price of a movie ticket. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, That'll do it. Yeah. So those, those two, 9-11 and the Boston Marathon bombing yeah. were my two. Okay. So we just went down a rabbit hole of tragedies. Yeah, sorry about that. That's what that's what immigration stories put you in the mood for. Yeah. Further well, further stories of tragedy. Well, like national tragedies. Everyone has their personal tragedies. And I guess for some people, it's, I remember when I crossed the border. Yeah. And this, what I like about this episode, I'm a big fan of sitcom episodes and just any kind of TV show where the ending isn't what you want. Where it's yeah. not a hat. Like, that doesn't happen often. Normally, like, the in the, the typical sitcom version of this episode, Dorothy would have gone to the immigration meeting with young Mario Lopez and would have talked the judge into letting him stay. Yeah, and then he would have said, you know, you're such a model citizen. You know, you totally represent what America is all about. You can yeah. stay. But that's not what happened. No. The harsh reality of immigration law reared its ugly head and poor Mario Lopez was its victim got deported to a Mexico where there's still a, like plenty of white people there's uh you know a, a high school like he ended up fine he got I don't know where in Mexico that high school he ended up getting deported to was but get, get it as a saved by the bell reference I'm saying saved by the bell took place in Mexico cuz Mario <laughs> Lopez got deported we should just wrap it up it's, um I was like, no, I was like, I <laughs> was there a second episode? Was anybody all? No, he came back. He came back and went to Bayside High, and he's yeah. fine. He's fine. No, um, Bayside High is in Guadalajara. Do you not know that? Wow, fascinating. Yeah. That's it's on a resort. It's a well, resort high school. That's probably why they had a pet duck. Yeah, obviously. Hashtag R.I.P. Becky the Duck. Becky. You're um, a good dog. Yeah, there's a few Golden Girls episodes that almost make me cry, and this is one of them. It, oh, like, yeah. It's, it's always rough watching Dorothy get emotional. Oh, yeah. And she, oh, yeah, you just, yeah, it was a good one. I think everyone should watch it. It's on Hulu. Yep. It is, what is it's season two. two, episode 21. Yeah. Called Dorothy's Prized People. Yep. Watch it if you got immigration on the mind. Yeah. Which you probably do because. Because that's what they're talking about. It's Trump's America. Yeah. 
Thank you guys for tuning in. Yeah, thank you. I was I was about to thank you. I should thank you for thank you for being a friend. Thank you, Danielle. Adam. Thank Do you people for... say that to you all the fucking time? Because not you as like much as I girls? would want them to. Oh, actually, this is so okay. This is you can edit this out if it's unnecessary to talk about me for a minute. But I'm gonna brag. I got a text last night from a friend who lives in New York, and she just said. Hi. And I was like, hey. And she goes, oh, I knew you, Dancer. And then she goes, I just really value our friendship. That was what she texted me. I just really value. And then 20 minutes later, no lie, I got a friend from, this is a friend, that was a friend from college. Then I got a friend who does comedy with me, and he's from Boston. He lives in LA. And he just texted me, hey, I just want to tell you, you are a really good friend to me. (laughs) Like, it was good catching up with you tonight. And I just really, I, I got two you're a good friend text. Nice. 20 minutes apart from two totally different people. You're a really good friend. Thank you. I take a lot of pride in being a good friend. I think it's a, it's a great uh, attribute. So I'm proud to be a good friend. Gross. <laughs> and I think you're a good friend too. No. No? No. You gave me some of that spinach dip on our break. Right? That right? Was, a good... was the spinach dip good? It's got onions in it. I'll never know. I'm going to have some more of it, if that's okay with everybody. (laughs) With everybody? (laughs) We're going to put up a poll on Facebook. Can Danielle have more spinach dip? Everyone vote. We'll come back next week, and hopefully that spinach dip will still be good. That'll be fun. Yeah, we... We we should do that. <laughs> it's definitely something we should do. But anyways, it was a great recording today. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad. I want to shout out to Eva. Yes. Our, our thank special you, guest. Eva, for letting us call and talk to you. Eva. And by, by the time you're listening to this, this podcast will be on iTunes. So you should go subscribe on iTunes and leave good reviews and ratings so it can grow. Yeah. Grow like a flower. I don't know why I said that. I was, no. I was just being weird. And then we can stick it in the um, rifle of a soldier. Yes. Like in that oh, picture. Oh, so poetic. So poetic. All right. Do we have anything to plug before we leave? Mm, I don't think so. Yeah. I'll be around. I'm at the Venice Underground show April 5th. Come to that. I have some dates on my website, daniellesotocomedy.com. So if you want to come see me, my, da- my, my calendar's updated. So. Do it. Go see Danielle. Yeah. And uh, follow us on all the socials. I'm at Adam Todd Brown on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Danielle Soto 617 on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Very nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, follow us on uh, 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 Connect Pal. And uh, you, you get it. Just do all the things. It's fine. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here. This was fun. Love you. Danielle, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.